Well, I have told you multiple times that uh, I generally do not listen to the radio. And uh, so it, I might be the last person that you would assume might use a secular country western song as an introduction to his sermon. But I do remember that several years ago, Kenny Chesney had a song called Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven. How many remember that song? Anybody remember that song? It was real catchy. And I, I kind of liked the tune and, and the words kind of got stuck in my head and, and different things like that. And uh, part of it says, you know, don't you want to, uh, the preacher talking to him says, don't you want to hear him call your name when you're standing at the pearly gates? I told the preacher, yes, I do, but I hope they don't call today. I ain't ready. And then the chorus says, everybody wants to go to heaven, have a mansion high above the clouds. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. And I got to thinking about that and I, I got to wondering if, you know, that maybe isn't the sentiment in our world today. If that's really not how uh, a lot of, you know, marginally religious folks believe. And I got to think and wonder if that's even how maybe we feel sometimes. You know, yeah, I, I know about heaven and I believe and, and I want to go there, but you know, I got no desire to go right now. And if you remember the rest of the song, the reason he's not ready to go right now is because he's got other, how should we say, uh, less than good reasons to hang around for a while. He's got some more things that he wants to do. And I was thinking that, you know, Paul, the apostle Paul expressed the exact same sentiments, but in a totally different context. In Philippians chapter one, beginning of verse 21, Paul writes, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what, what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with the Lord, which is better by far, he says. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So Paul is expressing kind of the same sentiment. I'm ready to go to heaven. But there's a part of me that doesn't want to go right now. Unlike the writer of the country western song, however, Paul has some spiritual motives for not wanting to go right now. And we've talked about this before. I think that the older we get in our lives, at least that's what I have found. Some of you, you know, who are more experienced in life than I am can tell me if that's true. But the older I get the more I'm ready to go and be with the Lord. Uh, the more I'm ready to go home and, and, and have that place that Jesus talked about, we talked a few weeks ago that he's prepared for us, I'm ready. But there are still things left here. You know, whether it's ministry or whether it's, you know, watching my grandkids grow up or whatever the case may be, you know, there's... There's other things still here that I would like to accomplish and see, but I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And Paul kind of said the same thing. Paul basically said, if it was up to me, I'd go home and be with the Lord. But 
I think the Lord still has some work for me to do here. And because of you, he's going to keep me around a while. And so I was thinking about that and the, and the song that was written. And I was thinking that we need to be ready for the Lord to come back. And you know, in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus talks a lot about being ready. He gives those parables and we looked at some of them back when we did parables. You know, you had the parable of the 10 virgins. You had the parable of the talents, the parable of the sheeps and goats. And then there's other parables like the parable of the wedding banquet where Jesus talked about the idea that we need to be ready when he comes back. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you went into something totally unprepared? You had no clue what was going on. You had no idea what was happening. You were totally unprepared. Nobody talked to you ahead of time. I'll be honest with you. That's how I felt when I came here. 32 years ago, for whatever reason, maybe dude and Charlie can explain why. I don't know. But 32 years ago, for whatever reason, the church here decided to hire me as a youth minister. Well, that is so long ago that there was no such thing as youth ministry classes. There there, there was no such thing as a youth ministry degree. Now at Harding and Oklahoma Christian and the other Christian colleges, you can get a degree in youth and family ministry. 32 years ago, there was no such thing. In fact, Harding offered one youth ministry class. And it was taught by a guy who had absolutely no clue about youth ministry. He used a book that was written in the 60s. This is the 80s, you know, okay. Uh, And I think they got him to teach that class because he had been to a youth camp once in his life. So he taught the youth ministry class. That was all the preparation I had. I don't know if I just faked my way through the interview. I don't know, you know, what it was. But they hired me and I remember coming here and I remember thinking to myself, what am I supposed to do? I mean, what have I gotten myself into? What, what, what is this thing? And if it wasn't really for a lot of guys or some guys that were already youth ministers in the area to kind of take me under the ring and help me out. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. And some of you are thinking, well, (laughs) never mind what some of you are thinking, but we do not want to be caught unprepared when Jesus comes. Several years ago, I was driving back from uh, I think one of the kids had a volleyball game or basketball game or something in, in Jefferson. And I was on my way back. And as I'm on my way back, for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, the highway patrol pulled in behind me and turned his lights on. And so I pull over and of course he asked for my driver's license and insurance card. And I reach and I get my billfold and I open up to, you know, the little plastic place, the little see-through place in your wallet where your driver's license goes, at least in my wallet. Maybe you have that too. And I open it up and there's nothing there. And I am panicking. And I'm thinking, and he says, sir, do you have a license? 
And I said, yes, in fact, I can give you the number. I know my driver's license number. I can give you my driver's license number. He said, where is your driver's license? I said, well, come to think of it, I know exactly where it is. We were getting prepared to go somewhere. I don't, maybe it was a mission trip to Brazil or whatever. And I had to make a copy of my driver's license to get something else. And I said, it is on the copier in my office, my printer in my office. I know exactly where it is now. It's right there. Well, that wasn't good enough for him. So there I was, you know, thinking I was prepared, but I was unprepared. There's going to come that day of judgment. There's going to come that time where we all stand before the righteous judge and give an account. And as Jesus tells us in those parables in Matthew 24 and 25, there are going to be those who are not going to be ready. And tonight I wanted to kind of look at why some people won't be ready when Jesus comes. And first of all, some people will not be ready because they lack any belief because of a lack of any belief some are not going to be ready simply because they refuse to believe in God they just don't want to they just don't believe that there is a heaven they don't believe there's a hell they don't believe in a God later on in that song there's a phrase that says everybody wants to go to heaven beats the other place there is no doubt well he got that right All right, it beats the other place. And we live in a world where Satan, through through atheism, through humanism, through all kinds of other isms, has convinced the people in the world around us that there is no God. And even if there is a God, there is no heaven or there is no hell. Or, and this is a view in Christianity... That there is a heaven, there is no hell. I told you all before that there's certain false teachings that I could really like. You know, I I could really like certain false teachings because they appeal to me. This is one of them. I could get into this. There's a heaven. If you're good and you do what God wants you to do, you're going to be rewarded and you're going to go home and be with the Lord, you know, for eternity. But there's no hell. God would never punish somebody eternally. Well, I could, I could get into that. You know, if I'm good enough or whatever and I make it to heaven, good. And if I'm not and when I die, I just kind of cease to exist, kind of like it was before I was born. Any of you remember before you were born? Don't raise your hand, please. Don't. I was afraid somebody who just woke up and... <laughs> You know, I could, I could, that would be all right. But you know what? That's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible talks as much about hell and eternal punishment as it does about heaven and eternal reward. You know, it talks about where it talks about in, in Matthew 25 at the end of one of those perils, but it says, you know, those who, who disobey God will go into everlasting punishment. But those who are ready will go into everlasting life. Well, if you believe in one, you got to believe in the other. You can't just cross out half of that verse. 
And so there are some, though, who will go, who will not be prepared because they do not believe. You remember, you know, and we believe, they, they'd say, this, this life is it. This is all there is. And so since this is all there is, you remember the old uh, commercial, the old ad? You only go around once in life, so go for the gusto. I think, whatever, wasn't it? Something like that. And that's the world we live in. And you know, if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in a hereafter, if you don't believe in eternal reward or punishment, well, then that's the way you're going to live your life. And a lot of people choose to believe that. And because of that very fact, they are not going to be ready. But this is an ignorant view of life and the world around us. You remember, Paul says, if we have hope in this life only, we're of most men, most pitiable. You know, even, even as Christians, and that's who he was talking to. You know, he was talking to people who were Christians, believed in God, but believed in that if you died before Jesus come back, you're going to miss heaven. Okay, that, that, that's what they were thinking. And he said, you know, if, if our only hope is in this life, we're, we're, we're bad off. And you think about the world. You know, if, if their only hope is in this life, they're bad off. I don't know how people who do not believe in God make it through the day. I don't know how people who do not have a church family make it through difficult times. You know, I've known this my whole life. I believed it my whole life. You know, and over the last few months with what has gone on with Kenya, it just becomes more real. The love and support that we give one another is just beyond comparison. And something that the world cannot find. So some people will not be ready because of a simple lack of any kind of belief. Some people will not be ready because of a lack of real desire. Now, that's closely related to unbelief or not believing. It's, but some people have a desire, but not a desire that sparks any kind of real relationship or real preparation. I desire to lose 20 pounds. I have that desire. But you know me well enough to know it's not going to happen. Why not? I have the desire. Well, I don't really have the desire, do I? I don't, I don't really have the desire. If I really had the desire, I'd eat those green things, you know, that grow and what are they called? Vegetables. Yeah, they're called vegetables. Uh, I'd, I'd exercise more than just going to the refrigerator and back to the couch. You know, I do all these different things. If I really had that desire, I'm kind of, a, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't kind of person. When it comes to losing weight. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, there's a lot of people who treat religion like that. And a lot of people whose desire to go to heaven is kind of like that. Well, I want to go to heaven. But I don't really want to do what I need to do in order to be prepared to go to heaven. I don't really want to quit doing the things that I'm doing that I enjoy in order to be right with God so that I can go to heaven. There's a verse in that song. Let me see if I can get it. 
I got it here. I like this one. We talked about giving this morning. And this verse talks about giving. So it fits in. It says, said, uh, I, I said to the preacher, maybe you didn't see me throw an extra 20 in the plate. There's one for everything I did last night and one to get me through today. Here's a 10 to help you remember next time you got good ear. Say I'm coming, but there ain't no hurry. I'm having fun down here. And you kind of get the idea, you know, yeah, he gave, he gave 20 as if to take care of what he did Saturday night and another 20 to take care of what he's going to do. Well, that's not a real desire, right? To go to heaven. We have to want it. We have to want it desperately. We have some coaches in here. You know, how many times have you said that to your athletes? You got to want it. You know, you have to, it has to be more than just desire. When I was a kid, when I was in high school, I wanted to be on the track team. And believe it or not, I was fairly fast. Unfortunately, I went to a huge, now it's 6A, I guess. But back in those days, I think it was 5A. Maybe we only had 4As back then. That's how old I am. But anyway, you know, it was a huge school, clean high school. And even though I was fast, I was never going to be fast enough to be a sprinter. There are always going to be too many kids faster than me to run the 100 and the 200 and run, run on the relays. But I wanted to be on the track team. And so the first thing they tried to get me to do, they said, and this is what happened to Brittany too, they said, we don't have any pole vaulters. Would you like to pole vault? I'm like, well, sure, that looks like fun. Well, you know, back in those days, the poles that you pole vaulted with were like metal rods. They did not bend at all. Nowadays, you see those guys pole vault and they bend it and it comes almost all the way down and then it flies, slings them over. Well, back in my day, that's not the way the the poles were made. And I only weighed 127 pounds. And the poles were probably made for people who weighed 200 pounds. And so, like the first time, they showed me how to do the hands and everything. And they showed me how to run down the runway and how to stick it, you know, right in that little box, you know. And then, you know, you're supposed to arch your back, you know, and then you're supposed to go up and something like that. And so I'm, okay, that's pretty cool. So I get it and I'm running down there and I go like this. And I just, I mean, there was no bend, there was no nothing. So I was like, now, pole vaulting's not for me. And so the coach comes to me because I still wanted to be on the track team. The coach comes to me and says, you know what? You're built for distance. You're built for distance. We need some distance runners. And I said, coach, I ain't running nothing that involves counting. If I got to count laps, I'm not running. So that means anything beyond the 440 at the time. Forget it. Even if I got to count two, I'm not running that one. Okay. And certainly not running the rest of them. So guess what? I became the trainer for the track team. <laughs> Still got me out of school though. That's all that really mattered. But I had the desire, but not a real desire. The parable of the banquet, you remember when Jesus says that the master had sent out the invitations, all the people had agreed to come to the banquet. And then when it was time for the banquet, he sent his servant out and they all began to make excuses. Well, they kind of wanted to go to the banquet, but when it really came down to it, they really didn't have that big of a desire. 
to go to the banquet. We have to have a strong desire. Many just accept the invitation today. It sounds good, but have no real desire as shown by their lifestyle and priorities. Third reason some people will not be ready is because of a lack of commitment, a lasting lack of commitment. Many start with belief. Many start with a sincere desire and commitment. However, after time, our anticipation and our desire begins to subside. You remember the parable of the sower. Jesus talked about the seed that went everywhere. And part of it came along the rocky ground. But it was choked out because it had no root. And then the sun scorched the others because it choked out after a little while. Some give up today because of sin. Some give up today because you know what? This was a good idea when it was an idea. But I miss my old life. I miss the things I used to do. I miss my old friends. I miss all that. And so they want to go back. Some give up because of sorrow. It's not what they thought it was going to be. Things happened in their lives that they didn't think were going to be a part of the Christian experience. When God tells us all along, they will be. Some give up because of others. Other Christians who discourage those who are trying. And we want to make sure that we are never a part of that. And some get up because of worldly priorities that just seem to take over. Being ready is a constant. It's an ongoing process. It's a marathon. Some may hang in a long time. and Give up towards the very end. Why would you do that? Why would you hang on for such a long time and then towards the end give up in your faith? We need to always be ready, constantly be ready. Always have that commitment that lasts to the very end. That's what God has always called his people to is faithfulness. I think, I know, I'm pretty sure it was Norman, you know, that used to say, God has not called us to be perfect, to be faithful. Yeah, be faithful to the end. And fourthly, some people will not be ready because of a lack of correct preparation. The first three, I don't think, really, on the day of judgment, are going to be surprised. You know, if on the day of judgment, the atheist, or when on the day of judgment, not if, when on the day of judgment, the atheist comes face to face with God, I don't think he's going to be shocked that he's not going to heaven. He lived his whole life like that. I'm not sure that those who really didn't have a sincere desire, that kind of did on the surface, but continued to live their lives the way they wanted to live their lives, I don't think they're going to be really shocked if they don't go make it to heaven. I don't think those who gave up their commitment or give up their commitment, you know, somewhere in life, they, they followed God once but quit and gave up, I don't think they're going to be necessarily shocked when God says you're not prepared to get into heaven. But this last group, these are the ones who are going to be shocked. And that could include you and me. That could include you and me. 
You remember in Matthew chapter 7, and we've talked about this many, many times before, where Jesus says, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who do the will of my Father. And on that day, there will be many who say, well, Lord, didn't we do all these things? And I will say, I never knew you. Those people were shocked. Those are the people going to be shocked who sincerely believe that they are ready. Sincerely believe that they have been doing the things that God has wanted them to do. But somewhere along the way, they've actually missed it. Well, but we did these things. Yeah, but those weren't the things that were the most important. You remember in Matthew 25, again, in that, you know, setting with the separating the sheep and the goats. You remember the ones that actually both were surprised in that one. You know, because you gave me water and fed me and clothed me and came and visited me, you get to go to heaven. And there, there's what? When did we do that? Well, when you did it to the least of these. But then the others, he said, because you didn't. Give me water and feed me and clothe me and visit me when I needed it. You're going the other way. And they say, wait a minute. When did we see you and not do these things? If we'd have seen you, we'd have done it. If we'd have seen you, we'd have been prepared. But when you didn't do it to the least of these, when it wasn't a part of your everyday life, I think Jesus is kind of saying, serving others, then you didn't do it to me as well. The first time, we talked about being unprepared for things, okay? Uh, you know, getting in a situation where you weren't prepared, uh, kind of like me coming here. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought you were prepared? And it ended up that you weren't. Walter will remember this. Our very first trip to Sombrerete, Mexico, Okay? None of us knew anything about going to Mexico, really. All right. We had been several times to Ensenada, Mexico. You know, that's where you go to go west till you hit the water and turn left. Okay. And that's on the Baja Peninsula. And apparently the rules and regulations are a little different there. Because we didn't have to do anything to really cross the border. We just crossed the border and then we went on down to Ensenada, went to the children's home and came home. So we thought that was really what you did to get in Mexico. So now we're going to Sombrete, Mexico, which is like 500 miles inside of Mexico. And we go through Laredo. Whoa, what a mistake that was. Never go through Laredo the weekend before Easter. There were 50 million people trying to get into Mexico at the same time we were. But we just drive on through. That's what we did in Tijuana when we went to, we just drive on through. So we're driving and we get about 50 miles down the road. And all of a sudden, we are surrounded. Machine guns. And they are yelling at us. Kenya was understand what they were saying I think she was afraid she and all they kept saying was papers you must have papers you must have 
We didn't know anything about any papers. We thought we were prepared. We didn't think we needed any papers. They said, you go back. You go back. So we go back and we had to wait in this enormous line. And finally, you know, what we did not know is you had to register your car to go more than 50 miles into Mexico. If it was less than 50 miles, you didn't have to. But if you're going further than that, you had to register your car and you had to have, you know, you had to have the, the registration. How many of you carry? Never mind. Some of you probably actually do. You know, how many of you actually carry your registration in your vehicle? Yeah, you people. Yeah. You know, and, and anyway, we thought we were prepared. But we weren't. We don't want to be that way when it comes to the day of judgment. Belief, some people, belief is enough. There's no response needed. However, repentance and confession and baptism and faithful living are all a part of our preparation process we call faith. And if we have not taken care of those things, we can think we're prepared. We can think we're ready. But we're really not. And we don't want to fall into that category. Everybody wants to go to heaven. The man wrote. The first question to us today is, do we truly believe in heaven and hell? Do we truly believe that there is a judgment to come? And then, are we ready? Are we ready for Jesus to come back? And to take us home to be with him. We sing that song. When we all get to heaven. Isn't that a wonderful song? Isn't that a wonderful sentiment? Isn't that what we want? For all of us to get to heaven. So let's do everything we can individually. And let's do everything we can to help each other. To make sure that on that day we're all ready to go with Jesus to heaven. If you're here this evening, we can help you in any way. We invite you to come now as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903 903- Six four five two eight nine six. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at eight one eight West W M Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas seven five six three eight. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at nine thirty a.m. for Bible class and ten thirty a.m. for worship service. Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.